Welcome everyone to a new episode of the Haptics Club podcast. This is Manuel Sancili, UX design lead at Unity Technologies, and I'm joined on stage by Eric Vazzali, CEO and founder of Interaptics, Ashley Huffman, Strategic Alliances at Nano Magnetics, Jais Denbutter, CEO and co-founder of SenseGlove, Irina Tripapina, lead marketer at SenseGlove, and Sarah Alkipsi, marketing representative at Interactics. After growing a community of more than 10,000 members of XR family aficionados on Clubhouse, Eric reached out to me and we decided to use that momentum to start a monthly podcast with guests from the haptic industry to help grow the awareness around this technology. So whether you're just curious or an expert in these fields, you're welcome here. The Haptics Club is a safe place for everyone. We hope you're going to learn today and have fun. Uh, Max, uh, I am happy to have you here. We had some on and off conversation in the different uh, um, haptics conferences around the world. Um, this, uh, uh, this event will be structured in this way. There will be a few minutes to introduce yourself with a couple of questions on our side, uh, 15 minutes dedicated to your area of expertise, and uh, 10 minutes to talk about the future of haptics and uh, a closing question. We try to uh, focus a little bit on your uh, area of expertise. Um, our public is not always from academia, so don't hesitate to speak technical, but if you want also to explain concept in a, in a more understandable way, would be, uh, would be helpful for some of our listeners. So the first question is, who are you and what is your background? So thank you, Eric, and thank you, all the founder of uh, Interoptics and all these haptic clubs, Ash, guys, thank you very much. This this is great. Uh, I, I said it before, it's a great idea to have this kind of uh, Q&As and it's great to, to link academia and industry. There is uh, uh, more and more, there are more and more connections and it's great to have uh, uh, the transition of information between the two because we can gain insights into, uh, especially for optics and multisensory interactions, right? Um, who am I? So I'm uh, a senior lecturer at the moment uh, at the University of Birmingham. Uh, I have a background in uh, cognitive science, so a PhD from Brown. I, I like sometimes to say I also have you know, I started with uh, electronics on so my, my high school is a technical Italian high school. Yeah, I studied uh, experimental psychology. I worked at the Max Planck Institute as a, as a scientist uh, in Tübingen, so doing cybernetics, augmented reality, uh, haptics. Uh, and then um, I joined the University of Birmingham. And while I was at Birmingham, I spent uh, for a, more than four years at, uh, working with Oculus and, and, and Facebook at the, what's called now Facebook Reality Labs. Um, my academic uh, question, right, the, the research that I have is focused on understanding how humans interact with information from coming from multiple sources. And uh, I use psychophysics, I use uh, signal analysis, data analysis, right? Uh, um, but the, the, I think what is uh, common in most of my research is try to develop a, a model, right? a computational model about uh, the interaction. And I like to, to think that uh, this computational model can take the form of um, 
of an equation or a, or, or a, a program that can be implemented. And that's why I, uh, I was drawn to, to the industry because uh, I can on, not only apply these, these models to you know, robots or uh, uh, some like products that can be applied, but uh, I can try to predict what the user perceives and how it acts. So to to create a, a model of the of the whole interaction where I control what the user perceives because I, I provide the user this this information and I try to predict what they will perceive and how they will act on it. So trying to to do like a sensory motor, like a loop uh, between the the user and the content, and then another loop, which is my model, that uh, tries to predict what the user perceives. Um, I hope this wasn't too deep. <laughs> deep oh, it's, it, it's perfect. <laughs> it's perfect. We will have a lot of time to dig, uh, dig, uh, dig further in this direction in the in the pursuit of this conversation. So uh, the second small question in your intro is. Um, you have a deep interest into uh, perception and interaction, but specifically haptics. Um, where did you discover it? When did you discover it? Can you describe it a little bit? Uh, what was your you know, aha moment for haptics? So I want to, to, to share a story because of my, my PhD was, uh, uh, was on vision, on 3D shape perception, graphics. Was, you know, I was doing like structure for motion, shading, stereo. And uh, um, at the conference, like Vision Science, and while I was about to, to defend, uh, I had the discussion and I was like, yeah, but, you know, you're studying this, uh, this vision by multiple sources of, of information, but this is all like going to the user, right? And, and it's computer graphics, but that's, you know, it's pictures, it's movies, it's nothing, right? So how are you going to use this? So I had... Uh, this discussion with the professor, and, and uh, there was this insight in this uh, this dinner that I had to go beyond, like the just showing information, showing odds, like providing audio sources, visual. Right? I needed to get the user to to be in the loop, like to change the information, to go out with their hand and approach a, a source of information, manipulate it, right? Because we never experience the world passively. It's, it's always, you know, we, we have a purpose. We interact with the environment because we have a task. We can move around and change the way we look at information, right? So there I started um, to look at haptics. So I was in European project uh, at the Max Planck, and uh, I started looking at augmented, or now you would call it mixed reality, uh, where... We had haptic stimulation and visual stimulation, and participants were interacting with with objects. And yeah, I started to to look at this interactive nature, right? Where um, even for a simple spring, where you press the spring and you're trying to determine is this spring soft or hard, the way you interact, right? Uh, it, it it changes how you perceive the spring. There is no softness of a spring where you don't move. Right. You need to explore it, you need to squeeze it, um, you have to move, right? So I had this connection with, with mechanical uh, engineering, so where you have uh, uh, like a formulation of uh, control laws. And I try to bridge the gap with uh, 
the psychophysics with the perception that uh, that I was coming from. That's wonderful. Thanks, Max. Uh, it's a great, great, great insight uh, for uh, from your uh, introduction section. So we close the introduction section, and you we move really into your area of expertise. We prepare a few questions for you. And the first one is really related to uh, one of your, your most recent projects that I saw that you are working on, VR locomotion. And my question <laughs> is, how do haptics can bring value to VR locomotion? Do you see um, how they two interplay and uh, how uh, the, the future can be in that direction? Because there was some inciting research that haptics can help to reduce you know, motion sickness and all of these kinds of perceptual related problems, which uh, are, from my point of view, are not really well understood. So can you speak us more about what you think about it? Yeah, so let me let me first uh, um, like give a pitch of, of Locomotion Vault. So locomotionvault.github.io. Uh, it's, it's we, we went out uh, on Reddit, on video game, blog site, uh, academic papers, and we we were trying to understand how many ways of, of moving there are in, in VR and XR in general. And uh, we collected, I think now we are about 130 locomotion methods, right? So we created this database of these locomotion methods. We try to determine what are the attributes, which one are good for some task, right, which one are good for accessibility. That was a, a specific uh, request we had, right, because it's about movement, which one make you tired, which one make you sick, and etc. And uh, in this uh, database, we see that uh, now there is no, no one, one locomotion method fits all. There is uh, areas of specialization, there are different requirements for different people, there are different constraints. And in this uh, space of possibilities, there is, uh, there is definitely space for haptic as well. Um, we have seen, for example, that uh, there are a few applications that already use haptic to, to try and steer the user towards uh, uh, one of, of the targets that they should approach. Uh, we've seen that there is feedback to uh, about the floor, for example, is the floor like um, uh, sloped or is it, is it flat? Um, so there is the, the possibility of providing through haptic, uh, but it's mostly, right now, it's mostly about haptics in terms of kinesthetic. Now the question is, can you provide haptics also in, in, in the form of uh, vibration and tactile? So when you transition from uh, a grounded haptic device that, that gives you a force to something that is wearable and doesn't provide you a force but provides you perhaps a direction or a vibration pattern, uh, how can you automatize uh, the, the sensory motor loop so that you can use this, uh, uh, this kind of information for uh, navigation or for uh, orientation or for uh, improving the experience of, uh, of motion, right? So that's, uh, that's something that is still not, not well understood because it's, it's not fully explored, 
but uh, there are there are few papers that are starting to look at but it's not uh, um, the space of possibilities i think is still unbounded thanks a lot max that was a, a great piece of feedback so uh, i retain that this is is an ongoing work there is a lot of space to explore and i'm really looking forward what the the, the future will bring specifically for research and experimentation from the different uh, from different communities. So this brings us yes. to the uh, our next questions, which uh, goes more in depth into your um, interaction uh, experiences. And maybe it's a bit too uh, precise, but don't don't hesitate to to um, to move from here. It is what is the role and the hierarchy of haptics in multisensory interaction in VR? So. How would you, you know, we have sounds, we have, we have a, a vision, we have haptics. Um, can you give us some feedback on uh, what is the role that haptics uh, plays in multisensory interactions? And uh, is it predominant or not predominant? When is predominant? So that our listener can understand and get inspiration from their, uh, for their creations. Okay, so you use two, two terms and uh, I would like to, to tackle the two independently. Role and hierarchy. Let me start with hierarchy, which I don't agree uh, that that should be a, a, a term in, in multisensory because there is no hierarchy, right? We have some, some senses are better at some task and some occasion for some interactions, right? And we, I think we, because we live in a world where media is especially auditory and visual, um, we have the, the view that haptics is, you know, down below in, in the hierarchy of, of, of senses. But, uh, you know, we forget that, uh, think about like when you build something, when you, um, when you move around, when you perform any kind of task, actually task is, uh, is, is the feedback that you have from haptics is, is necessary. In fact, you are, very, uh, very good at determining features, right? uh, discriminating features on, uh, on uh, objects, right? Like uh, a lot of the times you don't see on a surface uh, whether there are imperfections, but if you touch and you know how to touch, and like you are, you are an expert uh, in that, you, you can uh, measure microns uh, of um, like living imperfection. So the, the term the term hierarchy, I think, is, is somehow misleading, right? The, the, the haptics um, channel can be great for, uh, for, for some task. And in fact, it, it, it is necessary. It's, it's almost mandatory. And we realize this because there is this uh, um, VR visualization of the, of the, the dinosaur in... in, in in an environment, uh, and then uh, you know when you go and try to touch the dinosaur, the the dinosaur is just not there, right? And 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 that breaks the illusion, right? So uh, haptic is uh, is required for for some task, and especially in guiding movement and uh, stopping you, stopping your hand from moving like inside an object or on a surface. Uh, it's it's very very important. It, it breaks the illusion, it breaks the presence, uh, the sensation of being in an environment. It it it, it creates a, a 
uh, uh, creates the, the sensation of being there, of having an object. Um, your second question was uh, how to uh, how does the, the haptic channel contribute? And for me, is uh, uh, it, it also depends a bit. Uh, I think that your your question is more towards uh, the virtual uh, environments and uh, how haptic is uh, the haptic channel is is part of the experience and. Um, I think you are hinting to the fact that you know when haptic is not there, when you interact with an object and haptic is not good enough, um, then it creates this, this discrepancy. Right? My my modeling work, especially in terms of meta uh, cognition, like trying to reason about what's happening, like trying to extract the causes that are behind what you perceive, what you've been given in terms of sensory experience. Um, tell me that haptic uh, is, is, is an important uh, factor for the attribution of, of the sensation. So if haptics is lacking entirely, uh, you don't feel that you are really in contact with an object, the object is not real, something is, you know, you're being tricked. Um, you are much more able to deal with uh, bad haptics than uh, no haptics. Um, so if, if you have perhaps just a vibration, that's um, when you are touching an object. And you know that the object should stop your hand, but the vibration perhaps gives the user uh, a reason why uh, the hand is not stopping. So if the object, for example, moves as you are touching it because uh, uh, it's on a table and it slides, then you know it's okay to not feel a force, but only feel some tactile sensation. So when you consider the whole st stimulation, the whole um, construction of uh, the virtual environment, the haptic has a role to enable this uh, uh, sensation of being there, the believability of the object, uh, and, and so forth. Does, is that... Um, um, does it answer your question, Eric? Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, we could probably speak... Uh hours and hours and hours about that but i think that it gives a, a nice introduction for the user to go down to the rabbit hole let's say um thanks a lot for this so we to bridge to the next uh, section that would be the future of haptics i would like to ask you some question which is much more concrete um mm -hmm. would you briefly describe three haptics experiences that you found interesting for any reason that you find interesting, something that uh, strikes you for something. Oh, this is smart. I didn't thought about that. That's great. No. Oh, yeah. So I tried um, bubbles like haptics with, with pressurized uh, uh, bubbles. And I thought, I thought they were, they would have been very low frequency, very. Um, not specialized, but I, I found that they are they can uh, they can be quite quite good in the frequency content, spatial content. So I'm, I'm I was very impressed by by that. Um, I've tried um, kind of passive passive optics. I think it can have very very good potential. So passive optics is like you have a real object where. Um, you expect an object to be, and by manipulating 
the visuals as you can make that single object to appear multiple objects you can make it appear you know to be bending you can make it appear to be bigger so the, the passive aspect is uh, again just enough to bomb the believability threshold right on that you have a cause for it and then you play with all the other sensations um yeah so i tried uh, ready red haptics uh, by by microsoft a few years ago that, that was that was great i could not believe that there was a single cube on the table i was building a castle but there was only one cube because they were manipulating how they showed my hand uh, so I think that uh, that can be quite quite powerful. Um, I also have a strong uh, hope for wearables. Uh, I mean, there are different kinds of wearables, but uh, the so the the specific of how the, the wearable will be built, um, you know, that we can talk, and, and I'm not sure uh, what exactly will will be, but I think that wearables have a lot of potential um, beyond uh, mere uh, warning and uh, um, direction. They can provide uh, you know, the sensation of stiffness, they can provide uh, more analog. And I think that the bandwidth can be expanded a lot. And, and maybe we can go also beyond the forearm and have like a, uh, like a wearable that incorporates in you know, in a few years, maybe the whole body. So, yeah, so those are the three, the three things that I, I thought were, were better, much better than expected. Fantastic. Thanks, Max. Just for the sake of disclosure for the, for the listener, uh, is Bubble Haptics like a, like Haptex device or do you, were you referring of something else? Yeah, I mean, I haven't tried the Haptex, but I've tried a um, few uh, research um, like at, at, uh, uh, at Word Haptics, for example, in Munich. I've tried uh, um, the ring in Tokyo. Um, so I, the, the actual implementation, I think it, it will depend on what, uh, you know, how large is a bubble, how how deep is a bubble that depends on what you want to render so i don't know the what the details of the uh, of the haptics are and, and what you can render but i think that there is a lot of potential to the content uh, of the uh, of the experience that that is intended okay that's that's wonderful thanks for uh, thanks for uh, uh, sharing us uh, your uh, experience and we pass to the you saw them probably the most the most spicy section of our our um, um podcast here our uh, webinar is uh, it's not a webinar it's a it's a event uh, is about the future of haptics you hinted a little bit in the last questions but we want to be kind of precise where do you see haptics in five years both in vr and if you have experience around VR, uh, beside VR, also beside VR. Yeah, so it's it's a good question because uh, you know, and the predictions they can, <laughs> predictions about technology are always proven to be <laughs> very very wrong. Uh, so I'm not afraid of making a wrong prediction. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, so I think that for the first step uh, the, for for VR in you know in haptics will will be probably in gaming. Uh, 
so like gloves and you know better haptics for controllers and probably some more uh, uh, like maybe like for locomotion there could be haptics uh, on the foot or on like a, maybe on a, on a movable platform those those are relatively easy to 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 do and I think that there are a lot of people working at uh, at similar things. The question there is always the trade-off between, you know, like, would you spend, I don't know, like $500, euros, pounds in, in buying a device that, uh, uh, you know, it's, can provide you feedback uh, on uh, for, for, for gun, right? And probably the answer for a gun is no, but then it's, it's about the, the overall experience, right? And in fact, I think that... Um, the next step, right, where VR will lead, right, so do we have AR, do we have MR that is going to become uh, popular? So there the, the question becomes a uh, pair of transparent glasses. Uh, what can it do? Like what kind of killer app there will be so that uh, people can uh, really make that effort and spend those say five hundred dollars and get a return a perceived return for it so the question is will we have an experience that is worth uh, buying the hardware for so yeah so it's, it's a bit of a an open question which depends on on aspects that are more social uh, but I, I, I do expect uh, there to be more wearables and a little bit um, like higher bandwidth, let's put it this way, of, um, of interaction through haptics. So where you have multiple actuators, where you have HD haptics, right? It's a term that uh, it's, uh, it's very frequent, where maybe you have other forms like skin stretch, temperature, like, like a higher um, gamut of, of tactile sensation that are coupled with your, uh, with your movements. So, yeah, I hope that we will see that. I think you put actually the, the finger into the problem, which is the experiences that leverage haptics. And I fully agree with you here that uh, the the driving of haptics will be driven through uh, a global experience that motivates people to buy the hardware for. And we are seeing that today with the PlayStation 5 and the high bandwidth hardware, mm -hmm. high bandwidth haptics mm -hmm. that uh, they implement. So I, I completely agree with you on this topic. So uh, we can... Uh, yeah, if I, if I can... Of course. One of the things that... Uh, you know, one of the questions in, in the tech world is like, what is the value of haptics? Right, but uh, uh, especially and uh, going back to your hierarchy, right? Like, so if you only think, how can I point haptics compared to visual? Right? Like, it seems like like haptic doesn't make sense. It's difficult. It requires a lot of energy, right? But if you have the right application, right? If you have the right killer app, right? Then then you know, like a, like a social experience, the touching. Uh, uh, an object while you interact, like instead of having your um, your touch uh, pad, your your mouse, right, and having like the future of work. So that's that's going to be 
what uh, what brings brings it home. I think the social aspect, right? What Facebook wants uh, wants to do in the future, like, is there going to be a Facebook that uh, incorporates an haptic uh, an haptic component? Right. That, that's that's where the hardware will be worthwhile, and uh, the expansion of the channel will be actually required because you don't want to have your your friend in front of you while you are driving driving your car or, or doing some other task you want something that reminds you like a, a covert a covert channel of information and so the value of haptics is uh, is actually the value of the killer app for haptics and that's actually a great insight. We never spoke about the private, the privacy, but uh, actually, haptics is a private uh, channel of communication, and it's, uh, it's can be yeah, it's actually never been exploited too much. It can be wonderful. Okay, so uh, before to close and leave the, the field for our listener to ask their question, I would like to ask the last uh, question, which is, what's your next project? If you can share it, of course. Um. Yeah, so I can tell you what I'm doing right now. Um, so we are trying to do human-robot uh, interaction in VR with, uh, like, so a simulated, um, a simulated uh, robot uh, where you, you know you pass objects, you do tasks in a shared environment, and um, this is both for training, but uh, also with the possibility of um, Controlling uh, distant robots on telemanipulation, and there the haptics is uh, is very important. Um, in September, I will also start uh, um, an augmented reality project on uh, trying to use a model about uh, musicians um, to to render an interactive uh, rehearsal tool in, in augmented reality so on different people, but uh, they are a reconstruction. Of, uh, of musicians that are interactive in the same way as they would be if they, if they were here. As a musician, that looks wonderful. I'm looking forward to, to, to see what you are going to, um, what your reasons will be there. And another Haptics Club chat comes to a close. Thank you so much for joining us. We look forward to hosting you at our next chat. You do this every other week, same time, same place. And we're super excited to have you there. Be sure to find us on LinkedIn, where you can be the first to know who our next guest is going to be. All the details will be there. You can RSVP. You can also find us on Twitter at Haptics Club, where you can join in the conversation and ask questions. And if you happen to miss an episode, you can find us on most major podcast platforms like Spotify and on Apple. And you can get up to speed on some of the buzzworthy topics we covered. But once again, on behalf of the entire Haptics Club, I want to say thank you for taking the time to join us and jump in the conversation and be a part of this amazing community. And we'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.